Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm one half of your hosting team. I'm Stuart Within. Christopher Glasson isn't here at the moment, so I've been left to take the reins for this intro. And what an intro it's going to be, because I'm introducing today's guest. And it's Gary Mansfield. Um, he's also known as Mizogar on the socials. And it's an absolutely remarkable story. Um, Gary was a... Um, well, Gary spent a lot of time in prison. And we, we we talk about what what got him in prison, and and then we talk about what it was like in prison, and then turning his life around and what he's been doing since up to now. Um, very much one of them podcasts which generally involves Chris and I with our chins on the floor, just open mouthed at some of Gary's experiences that have got him where he has today. Um, we recorded this at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, so thank you to those guys. And, yeah, well, we can get on with it, I guess. And But b- before we do, I should just do a big thanks to um, our sponsors, Love Beer um, and Bang Boom Creative. Uh, both of those have been long-term sponsors now. And, and Bang Boom are also responsible for the really cool videos that we, we put up on the um, Instagram page and, and the Facebook page, which... Uh, they're just they're absolutely incredible videos so if you want to see them then um make sure you follow us on the socials and also we 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 when we was here recording at the Hoxton Square Barnkitch when we was recording this episode we also recorded an episode with Gail Porter um which was absolutely fantastic it's Gail talking about the five five top five lies your parents tell you when you're growing up and hers obviously are amazing because Gail's hilarious and brilliant and lovely and that's available um, on our Patreon account. So Patreon is a, a, a sort of independent sort of social media supporting kind of, I don't know what you'd call it really, um, thing that we do where if you like the, the free content we put out every week and you want some more, then you can go over there and pledge as little as, um, I think it's 79p a month. And, uh, and the, there's 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 lots of stuff over there and and there's also a weekly episode that we put out um specifically for patreons so go and have a look at that which is www.patreon.com forward slash hardcore listing so go over there and there's probably about another 50 podcasts you can get stuck into 
um, over there. And big thanks to 76, our producer. And I think that's it. Let's get on with the podcast. Please enjoy Hardcore Listing with Gary Mansfield. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Right, we are recording. Um, it's a nice Tuesday afternoon. Good day. No, You're going to report on the weather? No, I'm it's not going to report on the And it's Monday wrong, as well. Wrong day. And the last two podcasts we've started, you've started by giving everyone a rundown on what the weather's like. So don't, don't you Setting know. Setting the scene, mate. So what is it like now then? Go on. Bore S- everyone with it. The sun's creeping through. It's slightly, slightly overcast. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> something so rotten to say there. <laughs> I even censored myself on uh, that. Uh, what, what's, what's humble is you've just laughed at your own joke you ain't even said. As I always do. Slap the thigh. Nice one, oh, Chris. Great. I well can done, assure Chris. you all it was very funny. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is the third podcast today. We've, we've been on a bit of a mission today, haven't we? Podcast mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, we've had some we've had some great guests with some yes. very good top fives, mm-hmm. and this top five again is an original one, like very original <coughs> niche, and I particularly like these ones. So, yeah, shall I introduce our guest? Go for it. It's Gary Mansfield. Hello, you are artist. I'm fine, thank you. Podcaster. I am. Candlestick maker. Candlestick maker. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, thanks for coming on, buddy. Um, oh, you're welcome. We, well, we've known each other for a little while now we have. through different associations. Mm. What, 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 what is the connection? Because this is the first time I've met you, girl. It is. We've spoken on, on the socials and stuff like that, but you, you's, you's are familiar with each other, aren't you? Indeedy. Um, well, Gary is friends and, and has worked with uh, one of my good friends, uh, Miss Carla Cornwall. Um, and we met through Carla, we wasn't did. it? Yeah, yeah. And we it did. was in relation to something I'm sure we'll talk about now, but it's some of the work Gary does with the company Carla works for, which is uh, the Katie Piper Foundation. Mm. And we met through um, the um, the sort of art um, auction charity that you run with Katie called Correct. Face Value. It is. And uh, I really liked that. And I remember, I remember the first time we chatted on the phone. We chatted for quite a while. And I was uh, loitering around in my back garden, doing some gardening on a sunny day. <laughs> I just moved back to my flat in uh, Langdon. Well, you know when I said I was decorating? And it took me about eight years to do it. Correct. Well, um, yeah, that was, it was in that era. Was, uh, okay. In that eight-year period, oh. me and Gary were chatting. I feel like I'm part of history. <laughs> 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 that, that, that famous flat redeck. Um, yeah, so um, I've been to a f- I've been to Face Value One and Two, I believe. Yep. Which were both really cool, and I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll get into that. But that's how we met, Stu. Okay, um, Gal. Before you tell us what your top five is going to be, okay. was there any other considerations for a top five for you? Yeah, there was, did? but <clears throat> I sort of refused them. One was a little bit graphic. Um, it was to do with. Um, near-death experiences, oh, top great. five near-death experiences. What, that you've had? That I've had, because I've, I've had a few. Wow. That Ones that aren't sort of um, just, oh, if, if something happened, I might have died. It was the ones where if it wouldn't have happened, I would, I would definitely not be here. But it's only because I've got young children and they're not aware of them, so I figured if they ever listened to this, I'd rather they wouldn't yeah. you know, yeah. be privy to them. Um, 
although they would have been quite juicy. Yeah. Um, and Can I we mean, discuss them after the podcast? Oh, by all means. Sweet. <laughs> um, I was a criminal for years as well. Okay. Um, so I thought, and, and I had a lot of, um, I was involved with, uh, like, you know, quite a few funny experiences during that time. Um, and I was going to do a top five funny crimes. <laughs> but, again, we've got no statute of limitations over here. <laughs> yeah. So I'd end up getting nicked for a couple of them, no doubt. Oh, or mate. possibly, anyway, you yeah. know. My, my same question still stands. Can we hear those afterwards? Oh, yes, by all means. <laughs> by all means. Some of them sort of cross over as well, you know. <laughs> Near death. Criminal <laughs> acts. But as mate, I say, that was in the past. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not yeah. that person anymore. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. So... Um, well, I guess we might as well, well, well. I'll ask the question now. Like, so, um, did you go to prison for, for, for what you done? Was you reformed? Uh, I went to prison for okay. fourteen years. Oh, fucking hell! Exactly. Um, for drugs importation. Yeah. In Essex, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, reformed while I was in there. Become an artist. Yeah. Or you know, sort of fell in love while I was art. Um, excuse me, fell in love with art while I was in there. Yeah. Um, and that straightened me up, turned my life around. Incredible. That's crazy, isn't it? That you, it's, not, it's good that when you find something, it doesn't matter whether or not you, you're in jail or not, even probably more important and crucial, but how your other priorities, once you find something you really love, priorities start to make mm. a lot more sense, don't they? Yeah. And how was it? How, what was it in jail that got you into art? Well, if I start by doing my top five snafu moments. You aware of snafu? Um, I, not until you explained it, it and then a, it sort of fell back. Yeah, it was an old word that I'd known for years. Snafu is S-N-A-F-U. Yeah. Situation normal, all fucked up. <laughs> so that is, like, it's like a tangent, you know. Um, it's one of those moments where it's all going fine and for no reason whatsoever, it just takes a tangent and goes, goes off key. Yeah. Um, the me getting into art, um, or if I would, I would you mind if I just said about how I got arrested first? Yeah, of yeah. course. Because it, it all leads, you know, sort of one after the other. So, so are these are these part of your top five? Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we should explain then what your top five is going to be. Oh, my top five is um, top five snafu moments. Right. Okay. Or some people call them life tangents, which yeah. is you know the sort of posher word. Okay. So. Like, I grew up in Dagnum. Um, I was always a sort of ducker and diver. Um, How old are you, Gary? Do you mind me asking? 50. Right. 51 next year, next month. Um, yeah, I was always a sort of ducker and diver. I used to sell dodgy clothes, um, like, you know, counterfeit. Yeah. Um, Lacoste Ralph, and, you know, Ralph all that sort of stuff. That. Yeah. Horses with three legs and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, all of that. Um, and I used to work at a lot of the clubs. I was in the circus tavern for a while. Right. Um, what, security? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not dancer, in it. No, no. It was before it was before that come about. It was when it was um, cabaret, you know. Yeah, right. um, when it was just bad. It, before it got yeah. bad and sleazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I used to, I used to deal in dodgy clothing since I was like fifteen. Since they first come out, the casuals, you know, in yeah. like the mid eighties. So I was still at school then. I'd sell them at school. Then I'd. You tidy know. little, tidy little earner then, was it? Yeah, well, it was more than my pocket money. Yeah. Um, then I'd sort of end up selling um, more and more. And then I'd end up meeting 
the guys who was supplying the sort of street vendors, if you like. So I'd yeah. moved up a rung of the yeah. ladder and become one of those. Yeah. Doing that for a few years. Then I ended up moving up another rung of that ladder, supplying the people who were supplying the vendors. You know, like slowly yeah. working up as it goes. Um, and by this time I was 25, uh, sorry, 26. And um, I was going up Liverpool to meet some friends. And the guy I was getting these clothing off, I'd only known him for about six months, a fellow called Sid. He asked if, on my way up to Liverpool, would I take a ream of, or some reams of these labels up? And at the time, it, they was getting attached, different to how they are nowadays. Right. They were actual labels that were sewn on, whereas right. now they're embroidered, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'd seen them before. Um, I met in a... Um, do you know the... What was it called? The Wooden Lodge or the Cabin around the back of the Circus Tavern? It used to be a lorry park. Oh, right, yeah, the yeah, calf. yeah, 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 yeah. So we met in there, which was a lorry park. Um, I've met the guy who's, who's like got these labels. I've picked him up out of the bag. Um, sorry, picked him up out of the boot, put them in, the, in my car, said goodbye to the fellow I'd just got them from, didn't really know him. Um, and as I'm reversing out of that car park, is that London Road across there? Yeah, it is, yeah. So just as I'm reversing out, I've seen a um, blue Vauxhall getting chased by a police van in my rearview mirror. So I've just sort of, as I'm reversing out, I've looked in my wing mirror, just because I'm manoeuvring, and I've seen that this um, Vauxhall has come steaming into the uh, car park with a van behind it, and the door was open, so I thought, oh, there's a bit of entertainment going on here. But as I've looked round over my shoulder and looked out my window, I've seen this woman in the, drive, in the passenger seat, and the, the guy driving had a tie on. They just didn't look like the people who were being chased by policemen, you know? Yeah. And then the woman's got out of her car and come running over to me, screaming. And bearing in mind, all this you know, happened in a couple of seconds. And I just thought, surely she ain't trying to fucking hijack my car. Like, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. And then she's just started screaming. She, she had something in her hand, which I didn't know what it was at first. I just saw something black and silver. And then all of a sudden, my back, my back window went through. My door got flung open. I got dragged out by coppers. Um, I've sort of held my hands up. One's kicked my foot away. And because I was leaning up against my car and he's kicked my foot away, my chin's hit the roof of the car. So I've sort of oh, turned around to Lampin, raise my fist. Yeah. And then one's like aiming a gun at me, you know, and someone else is going, go on, go on, and I was like, fucking hell. So, I've got in the back of the car, they've asked my name and address, which I've given. Um, have, they, have they arrested you for anything? They, they've just cuffed me, put me in the back of the car, and there was, like, all the people at the cafe had come out, they've started taking the bags out of my car, and I'm going, fucking, this is properly OTT, you know? So, um, and then they started getting all the packages out and laying them on the floor. And they was, I was expecting them to be, the ones I'd seen before were round, um, sort yeah. of like a drum shape, you know. Yeah. Um, whereas these were rectangular, oh, sort, of, sort of like, uh, yeah, you know what's coming, sort of like a size of a, an old phone book, you know. And they was, they was like a tanny colour. So I figured they was just wrapped up in paper. And then we've got down the police station and... Uh, as I've got to the custody, the one cop started taking my cuffs off and the woman who had arrested me, she said to the desk sergeant, this is Gary Mansfield, he's being arrested 
on suspicion of being knowingly involved in the importation of Class A drugs, namely diamorphine. Fuck hell. And I genuinely, I knew, I had no idea what diamorphine was. I just thought something to do with hospitals. Is, is diamorphine morphine? No. What's diamorphine? And then, uh, um, yes, it's, uh, sorry. Sorry. So, um, yeah, all I knew was that morphine was in hospital. Yeah. And then I'd said, what's morphine? And she said, heroin. Uh, sorry, what's di Sorry. So I said, what's diamorphine? And she said, heroin. And I'd not, I'd Fuck smoked a joint yeah. once. It weren't my thing. Even though I was working at yeah. this time up the West End as well, yeah. I, I'd never taken an ecstasy, ecstasy pill. Um, at that point, I'd never had a line of gear or, Fuck you know, yeah. I, I, drugs weren't me. And I just went, fucking heroin. And then she's looked at me and then I started flipping out a bit. And she, she, at that point, I can still see her now. She turned man to the desk sergeant and said, like, he doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, got a clue. But then... Because she could gauge your reaction. Exactly. And then just... But just as, as this is going on, the door had opened, which is now behind me, and they was bringing in the bloke who was the in-between, between me and... Um, who'd introduced me to this yeah. guy. So, um, like, the guy's name was Sid, the main, the main bloke, and this other guy, who I'll call... Mark, the guy that you met to get the labels from. Yeah. Right. So the, the, he's the one who directly got me involved with this guy. So I just turned around to him and I went fucking heroin, and then oh, he's run, and I've gone towards him because at the time, as I say, I was a, I was a different person then. I had a, yeah. I had a, quite a reputation in my yeah. area. He's gone running through the police station, and I just remember walking towards him, and it felt like you know when you're in a swimming pool messing about Slow. and you're trying to run. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like, but. The resistance was fucking policemen. I had like one around my waist, one around my chest, and I remember dragging one with like it was around my left foot as they're trying to sort of stop me getting to this guy. Um, but anyway, that was my life tangent. We um Fuck yeah. Yeah. So that that was just gonna be one Saturday afternoon going to see some mates in Liverpool, you know. So I was in prison they they put me in prison on remand and we went to court. Um, when we went into Chelmsford Prison, um, like, as soon as we've walked in, we walked in when everyone was out. And normally, when you go into a jail, they sort of, people try and sort of half intimidate you to get you sort of level, you know. When we went walking in there, because it was me and another guy who was arrested, when we walk in, went walking in there, it was fucking silent, you know, because it had been on the radios that this big drugs hall had been, um, just, just happened in town. Um, so what was the street value? What you got caught with? 4.2 million. Fucking hell. Yeah, I know. I tried telling them it was personal, but they just <laughs> wouldn't... <laughs> they wouldn't fucking have it, you know? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I, I, I was wearing this fucking badge walking around the prison that I didn't really want, you know? Although everyone was going, oh, fucking villain Aren't or gangster. you a super heavy gangster, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, and I was like that. That weren't my cup of tea, mm. you know. I was flogging some Schneider clothes. Yeah, I was only I was only doing a couple of Lacoste. You know, I was going up to <laughs> meet my mates in Liverpool for a weekend. So that slapped a massive, for want of a better example, tag on your back. Yeah, yeah. So I was in in Chelmsford Jail for a year. On remand. On remand. Fucking hell. Um, in this time, um, like a couple of other people got arrested, and they started getting released on bail. Now they all had a few quid. I didn't. But I got bail in the end. So we was all aware that we was only getting bail so that the customs could sort of keep an eye on us to sort of see what we were doing. Because there was, other than... I know it sounds obvious that 
I've been caught with this 50 kilos, it turned out to be, 50 kilos of heroin. You'd think that was case shut, but I had no idea it was heroin. They was aware I had no idea of it was heroin. They had no one else involved. And because they'd arrested me um, for being not only involved with the importation, mm. if it turns out there wasn't an importation, then I can pretty much walk. Or even if I say, like, you know, I thought it was um, clobber, you know, that, and, and that worked, I'd walk and they'd have no one else, you know. So they did have a flimsy case, even though they had muggings here with... 50 kilos with, of heroin. Yeah. I and mean, luckily it was shit heroin, or it doesn't make any difference fucking yeah. really, but yeah. it was shit heroin, and it went down to, I think it was like, it was 40%, so I think it went down to... Does that like affect the sentence? Yeah, because because uh, the amount that I got nicked with, the minimum, well, when I when I went to court, like, I'd, we'd gone to court, got found guilty, um, and this is the first, I mean, I've been to court dozens of times before. This is the first time I told the fucking truth in the dock as well. Because normally, I just sort of make up a story or just don't say anything, you know. This is the time when I just told the truth. I, I didn't, because the, the guys who set me up were in the dock with me at this point as well. They, they were all out on bail. Um, and there was a point when the barrister said to me, is the person, I, I can't remember his exact words, yeah. but it was like, the, the guy who sort of set you up, is he in this room? And I've just looked over to him like that. And I, I was friends with some quite big, notorious yeah. gangsters at the time. And they were saying to me, fucking put his name up. And I was going, no, that ain't, that ain't me. And they're going, well, he's fucking set you up. Put, him, put his name up. I said, well, I couldn't live with that. And they were saying, well, you know, just tell anyone to come yeah. and see me. But at this point, when the barrister said, like, you know, he's the man in the room with you today. And I've looked over to him, looked him in the eyes. And it was, I could either say yes or no. And if I said yes, I'd walk. If I said no, I was away. And I just looked at him and I thought, I can't do it. And I just went, no, he's not. And he just put his head down. And then uh, I, in my heart, I thought I've done the right thing. And he lifted his head up and he had a fucking big grin on his face. He looked over to his family oh, and give it that. And that... That hurt, you know. I thought, I've just fucking got him off of it. For all them, you know, that old gangstery yeah. fucking morals and yeah, all that yeah, bollocks. Yeah. As much as it is a load of fanny, I was living that life. You know, I lived yeah. by them rules and I stuck by them. And it, that's when I fucking realised that, you know, not everyone sticks by them fucking yeah. rules, you know. Although they're wrong rules, yeah. they were the ones I was living it was by. some you know? kind of code, isn't it? Yeah. Some sort of, you know, so things don't fall apart if no. you stick to it. But obviously... So, yeah, so we went back to court a week later, and I knew the absolute minimum I could get was 14 years. That's where, because, um, um, I, I don't know if you know, but, but all sentence, all, all offences have a minimum and a maximum. Mm -hmm. And that's where the judge uses his, um, um, he, he gives himself a bit of leeway by, by what he hears. Yeah, discretion is the word I was looking for. Um, and I had, there was me and another guy called Steve who was, who got found guilty. Um, Steve is the one who brought them from Holland to the UK. Um, and they traced it back to him. Um, and I'd, I'd obviously, you know, I didn't know that guy from Adam. But, um, yeah, we both got found guilty. I got 14 and he got 15. And, yeah, that was me, me sort of first life tangent, you know. So at that point, was you, was you married? Was you... Yeah, no, no, I was, or no, like nothing that. like that. No, I was too sort of immature for all that. Yeah. 
I was uh, I, I was having a, a properly good life as well. Because although it was, as I say, we was at that circus tavern, I was, I was like friends with, I know they ain't massive celebrities, but it was like Freddie Starr was me mate. And, yeah. and like, you know, them sort of old comedians, yeah, yeah. the ones that sort of, everyone turns their nose up now, but yeah. they were the ones who were... They were big names around yeah. the tavern and things like that, yeah. weren't they? Then, of course. And they it were. was it was a fucking good life. And then the, the lap dancing thing did just start round about the time I got nicked. So we was getting to know all them girls, and you know you can imagine the sort of young lad. It's yeah, exciting, isn't it? Was, it it's, was yeah. fucking good fun. I was really yeah. loving life at that point, you know. And um, yeah, I weren't working. I was just doing the, the clubs, bit of debt collecting, and that sort of thing, you know. Um, I had a fucking easy life and, and it all come back to sort of smack me in the arse, you know, on that fateful morning. Oh my God. That's a life changer right yeah. there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, that weren't, that weren't a bad one, did really. You, did you, so when it's minimum, it is minimum. So that was 14, you didn't get out any earlier than no, that? No, I got, well, I had to do half, you have to do half of your sentence. Yeah. Or you, they give you the big sentence, um, like they give me 14 years and you have to do seven. And that's, that's where it puts it on you because they say, all right, we'll let you out after seven. It's up to you whether you fuck about for that time. Yeah. So that's, that's when you hear people oh. doing sort of like 10 years out of a 14 is yeah. where they haven't sort yeah. of kept clean in there, you know? Yeah. And so how does that, how do you find that, you know, walking in there, knowing that everybody in that prison knows that, you know, you've, you know, for, for want of a better description, you're one of the, the, the big players in this, monumental drugs raid that's all over the box yeah. and things like that. And you now know to get out in seven years, you've got to keep your nose clean when there's a target that, on your back. That didn't bother me really at that point because, as I say, I was a completely different person so, to what I am now. I was embroiled in all that, you know. Sorry. So was, was prison something you wasn't afraid of? I'd, I'd been before, only for a few months, for a, a, I had a fight with three guys and um, I went away for it. Um, so I'd done six months, but that was when I was at like 18. Yeah. And, I'd, and that's, see, the thing is, when I was 18, I thought, well, I don't really want that prison, Lark. I yeah. didn't want to go straight and get a job. Yeah. But I thought, well, and I, I thought I'd go back into the clothing thing. Yeah. Um, because it was easy. It was relatively um, easy work. And even if you got nicked with it all, you got a fuck all sentence. You didn't, yeah. even get, you didn't even go away for it. Unless I got to the level, which I knew, it was a bit bit cowardice or, or however you look at it. If I would have gone up another rung of the ladder, I would have been in a bigger league. Hence why you kept it where you were. Yeah, so right. I just thought, well, I'll stay on this plateau. I was earning more than most of my mates who was going to work. Yeah. You know, everyone was bringing home sort of like, I don't know, when I was 25, like maybe four or 500 quid or whatever. I was bringing home a little bit more than that, not having to go to work. And having a fucking good time with yeah. it, you know. Did you ever think, though, like, this is too good to be true, the party's going to end soon? Oh, no, you don't do when it's all going age. like that. Yeah. No. Well, can I ask as well, Gary? Um, so, things sometimes happen to me where they frustrate me and it's out of my control. And, like, someone's done something that's annoyed me. It might be something as pedestrian as you're driving and someone cuts you up. Or someone says something dickhead on the road and they drive off and you've just got to let it go yeah. because it's out of your control. How, but managing that anger, I've never been particularly very good at. How was it to, when you knew that that had happened to you and you were doing 14 years for something that... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Really, you had no part in. How did you manage, did that come in, how did that hit you? Was that in anger, frustration, and how did you manage that inside? As I say, I, I was, I, I know I keep saying it, but I, I was a totally different person yeah. to, to the guy you're talking to today. Yeah. I was one, you know, you get, what you see in walking around your town, you know, them fucking arseholes walking around. I was one, I was one of them. I wasn't quite that much of an arsehole, mm. but I'd, you know, I had no long-term um, ideas, you know, everything was just, in that hand and, you know, out with that one. Did you know good from bad? Yeah, but I, I, I respected the law, and I, I still do to this day. I've always respected the law, but I just chose not to abide by yeah, it, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, I knew right from wrong mm. more than most, you know. Mm. Um, but it was, a, it was a fucking easy life. Um, as I say, getting up at midday, going to bed at four in the morning, you know. It was a, yeah, good... It was a good laugh. So you wasn't frustrated. Or oh, angry sorry, by I didn't. I didn't answer you correctly. Yeah, when I got arrested, I was, yeah. um, and I did let it show. You know, while I was in jail, yeah. um, I've been. I sort of while I was in Chelmsford. Chelmsford was a bit of a sort of piss easy jail, anyway. Um, when you say that, what do you mean by that? Oh, it's like it's just like fucking porridge, Chelmsford. Yeah. It's just the screws were easy, easily to manipulate. You know. Yeah. You, you threaten the screws and they just do as they're told. You know, they, they sort of bring you in. Um, like we had these little... You know, you had the... But it Game Gear or something? You, yeah, you used to be able to get a little that, TV yeah. attachment yeah. to put on the top. Yeah, Game Gear. Uh, mobile phones weren't... or They'd just started coming in, but they were too big to stick up your bottle. Um, Not Stu's bottle, mate. <laughs> Stu would have been the perfect fucking mule had a wide jail. Up there, mate. <laughs> Telephone box. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, we used to get the screws to bring these little TV attachments in, and we'd we'd like rent the TVs out of a night, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I was still quite violent in yeah. there or threatening, yeah. you know. And most of the time, with oh, being pretty bullyish, really, you know. Mm. But being with as with most bullies, you, it's just intimidation. Most of the time, you know, you don't sort of go through with it. But I was never comfortable with it, you know. I, I was trying to. I, I knew inside that I was trying to be the person that all these thought I was rather than the one I wanted to be mm. because I was feeling guilty about a lot of yeah. the shit I'd done. Yeah. And I knew that if I was feeling guilty about it, then I genuinely weren't as bad 
as what I was trying to portray, yeah. you know. Did that become an excuse, though? To a certain extent, to be honest. Yeah, to a certain extent. If you can reason with yourself that maybe what I was... You know, if I'm feeling guilty about this, then, then I know it's wrong. But and you see what I'm saying? And, yeah, yeah. Like, no, and, no. and therefore, like... Well, you know, I'm remorseful for it, but it's not going to... You know, it it didn't change it. anything. Yeah, that's what that, I mean, yeah, Not yeah. at that point, anyway. Yeah. And then um, from Chelmsford, went to... Um, well, it was going to be Parkhurst. I was meant to go to Parkhurst. That's not going to be an easy prison, is it? No, but it, I was more concerned it was on the Isle of Wight, too far away. So For what? My family to come visit me. Right. Is that, you know, at the moment, I was in Chelmsford, which is half an hour up the A12 yeah. from where I live... Um, Isle of Wight is a fucking it's a day there and back you know for the family so I sort of had a word with the allocation screw who sort of picked where everyone went and you know they just said well no that isn't going to happen and like they won't put me anywhere else other than Parkhurst and then I sort of got some mates outside to sort of go and have a word with him and then I ended up getting taken off the list for Parkhurst and going to one on the Isle of Sheppey um called Swellside, and when I got to Swellside, and I was talking to the lad on reception, um, I said, like, you know, what's it like here? I've heard it's pretty bad. And he said, yes, yeah, it's, it's all right once you get used to it. He said, as long as you don't go on A-wing. And then fucking within seconds, it was like Mansfield, A-wing. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I walked on A-wing, and you've got these great big bin bags, you know, with all your gear in it. And I walked on there, a screw said to me, right, that's your cell there, second on the left, on these little spurs, you know, that have got like 15 cells in. I walked in, put my bag on the bed, just sort of like looking around, young lads come in, you can see he was a, a junkie. He went, you got any fags? I said, oh, fuck off, mate, I nothing. Come, I said, I ain't even unpacked my bag yet. Fucking two or three minutes later, he's back in. You got any snout yet? I went, mate, fuck off. And he's come back again. Mate, give me, some, give me a fag, give me a fag. Like, where he's junk, he's oh, addicted oh, to anything, yeah, yeah. you know, he's sort of proper on me. So yeah. I just sort of give him half a slap and told him to fuck off. Fucking two minutes later, there's him and his mate, Blades, come running in to fucking do me. I've, I've been in the jail, like, or I've been on that wing less than a quarter of an hour. And I'm having a fight with two guys with knives, you know. And, that, it, and that's what it was like there pretty much every fucking day. Not, not with me, but that's what it was like on the wing every but day in that, that sort violent. of jail. Yeah. How do you get used to that? Well, it's the same as anything. You know, you get used to your environment, don't you? But yeah. that's, that's a walk normality, isn't it? But there's nowhere else to go. Yeah. So you either deal with it or top yourself. How do you... Do, is, is that the only way? That's, yeah. yeah. Is, it, what else? Is, 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 is that option too there? Is that quite frequent? Well, there's an option, there is an option in between those, which is, going, which is what was called then going on the numbers when you become a vulnerable prisoner. When you, you know, like all the, the nonces and the grasses have got their own little wing. But you have to have a reason for... Go they won't just put you on there because you're scared. You know, you have to have threats to your... Mm. Pretty much to your life to be if put on If you're a nonce or a grass, basically. Yeah. That's where you'd have been, Stu. Or then... <laughs> <laughs> for both. <laughs> I can't leave you alone at the moment, mate. Sorry. Sorry. But then... Yeah, so, so that's what it was like in there. And it was just constant. It was just constant rows. People walking around with magazines down their belts. What? As, so, yeah. as knife-proof yeah, yeah, vests. Yeah, knife-proof, yeah. Um, it was just, it was just fucking potty. The bells going off, you know, people running around with defibrillators, you know, just in case it goes too far. And as I say, you do get, you do get fucking used to it, you know. Um, 
because you've got nowhere else. You either get used to it, you know, crack up or. So, could, oh. do you sleep? Yeah, but you, as I say, you're acclimatised to it. It's just like I, I, I don't know how to explain it. If you, you know, if you moved into your street and you moved somewhere else with a load of arseholes in the street, you you will end yeah. up just getting used yeah. to it. I think this is this is not. It's weird, and she always takes a piss out of me for this. But I, I when I lived in Birmingham, you can start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like there, there was like in, in my third year of uni, I ended up living somewhere that was quite rough. But yeah. I mean like exceptionally rough to the point it was dangerous at night wherever you went. And I remember when I moved back... Quote, I saw people die, man. (laughs) (laughs) Your exact fucking words, Mel. It's not, but Stu loves exaggerating. But it's close to it. I saw a lot of... I I saw three homicides. I saw three murder scenes. Yeah. And and, and when I moved back to Basildon, it was like... I'd forgotten what it was like. When I'd go back to Basildon, it was like... I'd walk around the streets thinking it was uh, like Beverly Hills. Well, that's that's the thing. You know, like, when, when you go, like... You know, there was there was three sort of murder scenes, and you think, as you're walking down the street, you think, well, could it have been him? Could it have been him? <laughs> no, the ones who've done it, I was living with all of them. Oh, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's, that's the sort yeah. of... Because it was a high-security prison yeah. as well. There isn't just... It's not just full of um, sort of handbag snatchers, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, she's scared. No, because that's the life I was living anyway. It, yeah. just, it just upped it a notch. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, I, I was like, living a violent like if, I, if I went, I'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd be fucking, sh- I'd be fish food in there. I mean, yes. Yeah, so, so if you put a parallel between, like, when you stand on the door, I've heard you say you stand on the door and you see your guys sort stuff out in a, hopefully, a nice way. Now, you would be more privy to it than just Mr. Joe Bloggs, who sort of works in the butchers, for instance. Mm-hmm. So you would have seen a lot more than him. Likewise, them doorman would have seen a lot more than you on your club. And likewise, moving up and up the ladder, people mm. in the dodgy club put up with more shit. Yeah. And it just depends what you're used to, you yeah, know? And it does... You, you do just acclimatise to yeah. it. And it's that's the, that's the thing... See, I started looking at myself at one point. What, when you did inside? Yeah, because I just started going these... Fuck. And it, it started with, with when I said that guy putting his head down and then coming up going like that. And I just, that's when I started saying, because he was a money man. And that's when I started just looking to, at... Just to, sorry. By all means. When you said he looks up, um, and what people can't see is... Oh, there, sorry, he's doing like a little to, fist pump. Like a fist pump. Yeah. So just that was... As if like, yes, yeah, I'm out. That's in reference to the, the, the court when, when uh, yeah. Gary said he didn't uh, recognise the guy. Just to put mm. the picture, yeah. the picture yeah. a little bit there, sorry. So, um... Yeah, and that's when I started looking at... Because there's some big gangsters in there. You know, people who are well-known as being gangsters. You know, the ones that everyone... Not just the sort of the nutter on the estate. You know, yeah. like the ones who are, you know, the in newspapers. And, yeah. yeah. So there's quite a few of them in there. And, like, a few of them would go... Because oh, like, I was friends with similar people out here. And they got told that I was coming there, you know, by friends of mine would tell them, say, oh, like, Gary Mansfield's coming there, he's a mate of mine. And so you sort of walk in and you've already got a reputation before so you get there. you've got a there, certain you know? degree of security yeah, yeah. with it, but then you get the nut jobs, like the geezer who was in your cell didn't know that at the No, point. no, they don't. The junkies don't give a fuck no. anyway. You no. know, they don't care. They've got ulterior motive, haven't yeah, they, you yeah. know? Um, and then I just sort of, like, there was one point when one of the, the gangsters would go, oh, Gary, there's a fella on your wing. Um, he, you know, he's done whatever. Could you sort him out for us? And yeah. I went, fuck that, I ain't getting involved. And that's, you know, normally people don't say no. And yeah. he went, oh, all right, uh, fair enough. George, 
there's a fella on B-Wing, would you go and see? And, and yeah. that's when I thought, oh, fuck it. I'd never really said no to people before, you know what I mean? Because it's, you just, it's just like being in the fucking army, really. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Someone yeah, says, yeah. I'll go and do something. And you go did and you think at the point when you said no, was you thinking about blowback off saying no? Or did you just think, you just said no and tell all the no, consequences? No, well, I, I didn't do it when I was pissed off. Because I, I was thinking, as we was walking around the yard... Um, or, or the field it was we was walking around and I was just thinking then like about all these it had been building up these people who were just sort of uh, the lackeys and I'm thinking oh, I've seen as one of them lackeys yeah. and I thought I think I fucking might yeah. be then I thought well, fuck that I'm doing this bird yeah. over one of like someone like you yeah. and you think I'm still going to be your fucking lackey you know and then I start. that was it I was questioning myself and that's when I went no fuck that and then he just went alright fair enough I mean he could have ordered all the cranks to come and get me, yeah. but he sort of probably just knew, you know, there's something going on, yeah. just fucking leave him, get someone else to do it. You know, I didn't disrespect him yeah, in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And then that was that was the turning point, really, in, in my own heart. Was, is this one on snafus? It, it wasn't, no, no. sorry. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I do rabbit a bit. No, no, Feel no, free no, to no, pull no, me no, in. No, 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 it's, it's not pulling you in, Gary, at all. It's just that I wondered if that was coming, like that turning point was a point, that realisation that you thought, are you, are you, be, are you becoming a pawn? And then you decided... No, because no, that, was, that was more like a build-up. You know, it wasn't yeah. a crescendo oh, wasn't moment. A, yeah, no. I get you. Yeah, I yeah. just thought, you, well, you knew that. Slope. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And then, like, and... Because deep down, I knew that I was always a nice bloke, but I was mm. just in a in a world where nice blokes don't sort of survive. Really, I don't mean to fucking boil it up a lot, no. but it's it's true. And um, and it wasn't. And I was trying to put like put a name to this this feeling that I had. And I was seeing people in there because there's loads of paranoid people in there, schizophrenics, depression is rife, mm. suicide, and you know self harm. And I'd always go, oh, like, poor fucker there, like, done it. And the others are going, fuck him. You know, because that's the sort of, you know, world you're yeah. in, the sort of dog-eat-dog. Dog. And it, that always fucking bothered me. And I'd always get talking to, to the guys. And in the end, like, people who were feeling a bit down would come and sort of knock on my cell door um, and, like, just come in for a chat. And I knew, because they were floating about a certain way, I knew that there was a little something more yeah. there. Because no one sort of tells emotions in, in jail because everyone fucking jumps on you and thinks you're weak. Yeah. But I started to. I sort right. of, I thought, well, I will fucking mention these bits yeah. and pieces. Yeah. No one's going to say I'm weak because I'll fucking rip their head off if yeah. they do, you know what I mean? At, at, at that point. And it wasn't until I was waiting for my appeal to come through at the, um, at the law courts, at the appeal courts in London. And they'd come up and I was trying to appeal against my sentence. And I knew, because I got minimum, I knew I was going on a losing battle, you know. Um, but it was a day out, so I went anyway, and um, I lost my appeal, which I, I knew that I would. I'd add, ah, oh, sorry, this is one that's on here. My own rabbiting took me away. Now, the night before I went for my appeal, um, one of the screws said something to me as I was getting my dinner, and he ended up wearing my dinner. So I got fucked off, yeah. put in the cell, um, didn't have any grub, and because I'd packed all my... You, when you're going on a pill, in case you get freed, you have to put all your possessions in a bag. Right, right. So, so all my possessions were away. So I had, if you get released there and then you walk out. Yeah, you walk out there right. and then at the appeal court. You know when you see them standing oh, outside yeah. and jumping for joy or whatever? Um, so all my stuff's in a bag. So I'd fuck all to eat that night. The next morning, I've gone down for my breakfast before we've left. Screws were being a bit arsy because I'd sort of made the 
fucking screwed the night before wearing my dinner. He started giving me a bit stroppy, so he wore my fucking breakfast, you know, he, he sort of had that on him. Then, so I had no breakfast. Went to the appeal courts, and the appeal court screws are different to prison screws. They're like group four, they're a piece of piss to sort of, you know, you can get them running, get you McDonald's if you mm. sort of, you know, have a pop at me enough. Um, and I've ended up having a fucking row with him at lunchtime as well. So I had fuck all to eat all day, lost my appeal, I'm in the van, and now I know for definite that I'm getting out, by this time, it was five years' time. So I knew I was getting out in, in, in five stretch, you know, in five years. Um, and we come straight out of the appeal courts, and going back to Kent, we went across Waterloo Bridge there. And I fucking, I was in one of them prison vans, you know, they've got the black window. I'm just sat in the, in the, they call it a sweat box. I'm sat in the sweat box and I've got this little window the size of, of this bag here, maybe a foot by five inches. Pitch black, I can see out, no one can see in. And as we've stopped at the lights, there's this old, what we used to call a tramp going through the bin. Stereotypical, you know, dirty beard, overcoat, cap. And he's just going through the bin. And I just looked at him and I thought, what I would fucking give to yeah. swap now, do you know? Yeah. And likewise, he may well think the same about me. You know, I'm going to three square meals in a comfy bed. Um, but as I'm thinking it, and I thought, fucking odd, you know, I wish I could swap with him. He just stopped and fucking looked at me straight in the fucking eyes. You couldn't see through these windows, but he just stopped and looked in my direction. He gave me a little smile, tilted his hat, and carried on going through the bin. And then I've just, I don't know if it's just because I've just lost me a pill, but my fucking eyes are welling up. And I'm just thinking, like, even though he couldn't see me, he knew that there was someone in that van yeah. in a worse position yeah, than him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that was my real realisation then. I thought, well, if that man is feeling sorry for me, the ones that we all ignore and, you know, we don't even look at when we're walking down the street, then oh, what sort yeah, of fucking, man. you know, what rung of society's ladder am I on? Do you know yeah. what I mean? yeah. And that was like, fuck that. And we've, I've gone back to the prison of a night. So I've, I've got this, and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to sort of terms with, with it, you know. It's, it's a new way of thinking. I presume this is one of your four. It, number four. It is, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Waterloo Bridges. Yeah. yeah and, and this one is sort of attached to it because it's okay. the same day. Yeah. And um, when I've got back, now, in, in the jails we're in, there's four cookers. Every, every wing has got a kitchen with four cookers that when you're out, you can cook your own food. But because there's four cookers and a fucking million people, everyone has like a ring and a bit of a grill, you know, and, or a bit of an oven. So there's loads of people cooking, but you never give your food away. You might swap, but you never give food away. It's just an unwritten thing that happens in there, you know. Um, and I've walked back and they're going, oh, how did you get on? And I said, ah, oh, fucking lost it, you know. And they're going, oh, sorry, man, sorry. And uh, I went, I said, oh, I said, can I borrow a grill? Like a bit of, I've got a fucking couple of bits of bread. I said, I ain't eaten since last night, since, like, you know, the screws warm a fucking dinner and warm a breakfast. And uh, then the screws come in and just turn the electric off because it was, like, banging up, banging up time. So I'm standing there with two bits of fucking dry bread. I can't even put it under the toaster. And then someone just went, yeah, I'll have a sausage. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast. And it's a one-stop shop to tell you 
all about the podcast. You maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.